This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, second show this week. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. Throw a couple bucks in the tip jar. Chris and I are going to do a couple shows each month. Got a couple ideas in the can. Thinking that uh, Hakushi Muda one is a good idea, Chris. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, we should definitely do the Hakushi Muda one. I'm not puking this time. Yes. I am the connoisseur of candy corn, the master of the mellow cream pumpkins. You just heard him before. He's the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups of uh, wrestling commentary. That's uh, Chris Novembrino. Feeling better, feeling stronger every day, as Chicago used to say, Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to admit it's getting better. It's getting better all the time, Jeff. <laughs> I hate Halloween. I, I Today's a great day. I'm not a Halloween the, guy either. All yeah. the candy is on sale for like 50% off, especially the This is the day on. I'm about... Clearance yeah. candy. Yes. But in, in L.A., and we've talked about this a little before, but might as well do it on air. This is Halloween in Los Angeles is like Christmas in every other city where they do it up all big, all the decorations. They're working on it for like months at a time. And I'm just like and, and plus it's like all the adults. It's not really the kids doing all this. It's the adults doing it. And you're like, ah, oh, just grow up, people. Yeah. Yeah. This week I was actually out in the field walking through neighborhoods and such for my job and getting to see these people who are grown adults, as you were saying. It's the grown adults who have $200,000, $300,000 houses who choose to spend a ridiculous amount of money on Halloween decorations. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm also, part of it is also, I just realized I don't know anything about pop culture anymore. And every costume is a pop culture costume. And I just go, I know, I, I can recognize, you know, like the Incredibles. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not that out of touch, but you just look at, who are you? Are you a wizard? Well, I'm this specific wizard from this specific book that you haven't read or this movie that you haven't seen or this TV show that that's, you know, this YouTube <laughs> channel that I watch and everybody knows it except you. And I'm just like, I, I, you know what, what happened this week is I've been watching at least three hours of WWE every day. <laughs> yeah. At least three hours every day, oh my goodness. but let me give you a pro tip, but you can't take this from me, Hawkins. So, a few years ago, I bought some Lucha Libre masks, because this is actually a thing in wrestling that I'm kind of into. I love the masks. And I have this Dr. Wagner mask. So, I now use my Dr. Wagner mask, and that's my Halloween costume. It's just a good, very cool-looking, black-on-black Wagner look. And it it looks real good, real evil-looking, and that is my mask and that is my Halloween costume, and that's about as much effort as I put into Halloween. Oh, I, I have a lucha mask too. I just it just doesn't fit my head anymore <laughs> for some reason. I think it's actually like, steroids. Oh yeah, you know I'm just injecting that all over the place. Uh, so you're back. Um, 
I am. I'm healthy. I'm feeling better. I'm energized. It wouldn't have been very good to have had me on the air the other night. I would have had to have stopped midway through, and I probably would have been swooning for most of the episode. Maybe it could have made good radio. The interesting thing about doing two shows a week is that you get notes of stuff you forgot on the first show, so you can bring it up on the second one. I went through Raw, SmackDown, and Evolution, and I got a note going, you didn't even deal with the follow-up to Dean and Seth. Why not? What'd you forget? It's like, you know, I had a lot to talk about during that time, and I didn't have notes in front of me per se. I was just kind of riffing it. So, yeah, I will, I will go over that, and then I will yield the floor to you of anything from the first half of the week before we get into the second half. Um, I didn't think much of the Dean Seth follow-up. How about that? Because you know what they did? You remember how I said, uh, for the turn, they just started over again with the, is he with the shield? Is he not with the shield? Now they've just absolutely retconned it back to the beginning. And now Dean's not speaking to anybody. I'm just like, okay, it would have been much better if Dean hadn't spoke throughout this whole thing, turned on the guy and walked away. I know you couldn't have planned for that because of the Roman Reigns leukemia announcement. But, you know, I, watching him growl while Seth is just kind of riffing, I, I, you know. Number one, if you're that angry at a guy for doing that, you're not going to talk through that silence. You're going you're, you're gonna to just stare a dagger at him, and just that would have been a cool moment, I think. Just the two of them just quiet and seething. But the way they did it, it's how the WWE does it. It'll probably go another week. And then he'll explain. Well, yeah, it has to. And then he'll explain why he did it on the third week or so. So you know. Yeah, it's lazy writing. The wrong person was talking throughout that whole scene. The person you want to hear speak is Dean. And if you are going to do an angle as big as they did the week before, they chose to go there. They sort of owed it to the audience to go. All right, here's where we're going with Dean, and just get us off the ground with this because Seth looks. Silly, standing in the ring, pleading and begging with Dean Ambrose. He got attacked by Dean Ambrose last week. I don't understand how he thinks that there's going to be uh, like reconciliation. Like Dean is going to come to his senses. Maybe he's going to apologize. wasn't even clear that Seth was out there seeking an apology or even really. He didn't even give Dean the space for the explanation. Yeah, and and the thing that 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 kind of made the disconnect and and I was just reminded of it as you were talking there is that he came in and he had that moment of self-reflection which I liked I liked the thing where it goes hey maybe my actions in the past caused this but there wasn't that you know he didn't dwell on it long enough where he then just went into righteous anger and you're like no no, you can't you're not allowed to be angry at him if you're if you're having doubts that you may have been the one to cause this you can't you you can't do that. You you have to kind of be a little bit more. Come on, man. Just tell me what what's going on here. You know, a little bit more uh, compliant with with Dean trying to kind of play the good cop in this one. Next week you can play bad cop and and be angry because hey, look, I'm sick of this. I've been asking for a week. I've been calling. How you many up. times do I have to apologize yeah, for do, this? I've do, apologized for this so many different ways, so many different times. The danger with that. The danger with that is that's what they did when they when they teamed up before uh, Dean got knocked out for a while and they replaced him with Kurt. They were doing that. How many times do I have to apologize for that? Well, how many times are you know that kind of thing where Dean wasn't trusting him and then eventually they did. So that would that might be a little bit too 
well-worn territory, but I, I like that idea as well. It, it, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, week one, you go, hey, maybe it was my fault. You put it on yourself. Week two, you go, hey, how many times do I have to go to voicemail? You tell me what's going on, and maybe we can fix it or something like that. I, I don't know. but it, And I still just don't like telling the angle through Seth at all. This really should be driven through Dean. Dean should have come out, and I sort of said this the first week when they did the turn, but Dean should have come out and said, Seth, you always want the glory. It's all about the glory, and he should have healed hard on Seth and said that Seth is the bad guy, even though Seth is clearly the good guy, rather than have Seth do the heavy lifting here. Yeah. So, any thoughts on Evolution or any other Raw or SmackDown thoughts? I don't have any SmackDown thoughts because that that was the night that was lost to the food poisoning, okay. and it's really hard to play catch up. So, the one uh, thing let me. I'll tell you oh, to watch. I'll, okay. I'll tell you what to watch on the, the the AJ Styles Daniel Bryan match to get. Out I've heard of that. that. I've heard that that's very good. good. That, that's very yeah. good. Yeah. So what I wanted to say is that the reason I didn't play catch up is because I sort of feel like you and I have become Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory with WWE product. And it's like every week there's more chocolates and the conveyor belt keeps speeding up. It's really hard to keep up with it. So in this one week alone, we have evolution, which was what? Three hours, four hours. Then we had Raw, which was three hours plus. Then we had SmackDown, that was two hours. We have NXT UK, that is two hours. We have NXT US, which is one hour. We have 205 Live, that is 45 minutes to an hour, it depends. Um, And then sometimes they have an ancillary program like Mixed Mash Challenge or something like that. And then at the end of this week, we have Crown Jewel. That is a lot of WWE programming it's like a part-time job's worth of WWE programming to watch live. And my question is sort of, who is this all for? And what is the market for this? I, I When I was watching the second hour of NXT UK this week, I thought that the show was improved. I think you're a little more down on the show than I am. I actually kind of enjoy the show. I just was thinking... Why did they think of all things that needed an extra hour? It was NXT UK when NXT US has been begging for an extra hour for I don't know how long. It's part of the reason why they're not really a developmental territory anymore. Well, I'll I'll give you two answers um, relating to both kind of parts of of your monologue there. The the first one is I, I do think that Vince McMahon thinks that the WWE is all the entertainment you need. There's that story from Freddie Prinze Jr. when he was a writer. Yeah, that one rings in my head a lot. Yeah, that that when he was on the plane, it's like, you know, I'm looking for some comedy to watch. Well, why don't you watch the WWE Network? It has everything you need. He asked him specifically if he'd ever seen Richard Pryor. Yeah. That's the other part of that anecdote. He's like, no, why would I need to watch Richard Pryor when I could see comedy on the WWE Network? He thinks that his show can be an old country buffet. Yeah, the other thing is the reason you're getting these NXT UK shows, I think two at a time, it feels like they're burning episodes. And they have to almost so that they can start with storylines because they've, in, in, in within the UK tapings, they've already crowned a UK women's champion. But they weren't allowed to, to put that match on the Evolution pay-per-view because they haven't revealed who's won that tournament yet. See? 
And so that, that becomes a problem. So now they're trying to have to catch up so that they can start doing things and they can start booking along the lines of, you know, who do we have here? Who do we have at normal NXT? It, to me, I thought they were burning off the episodes because they were canceling the show at first. And I'm just like, well, no, that can't be it. So basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to get everybody caught up on this. The, the downside and why I'm so down on this is it's pretty good wrestling. I just haven't been told why I'm watching this and what the point is. It feels like just another WWE product. It doesn't feel all that special, and there's not a lot of personality to it. Like the- No, there's not a lot of personalities on it either, and like there's pluses and minuses with that. Like For example, like a plus, the Zach Gibson versus Gnome Dar match. That was on this week. I really enjoyed that. That was one of the better yeah. limb versus limb type of matches that I've seen on WWE product in a long while. I thought they did a really good job. But my problem with this show writ large is these people do not bring a lot of personality to the table. Danny Birch, it was great to finally hear him talk, but then he did the thing that Zach Gibson did the week prior where he talked too much and overstayed his welcome with me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Danny Birch's promos here. I, 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 I was thrown off by on the second episode the the uh the the dark light contrast between him and the interviewer i i, I thought that was a little hokey to be honest with you but i mean it, it's one of those things where it's like i i understand it's for a british audience mostly but at the same time i just want an introduction into this world i i just and i don't want it through johnny saint who i think is playing a bad version of William Regal here. I, I just, I don't enjoy his character at all. He doesn't bring much to He doesn't to even it. really have a character yeah. as part of the he's, problem. He's, they're, they're, he's an authority figure. The backstage figure. universe is boring. Yeah, he's an authority figure who's supposed to command this respect, and I, I just don't. You know, I, I want to know all these guys in this world, and all they're doing is they're doing it through the process of a 50-50 match with you know, a couple of catchphrases and a couple of, like, biographical notes. It's like watching people in the Mae Young Classic I didn't, didn't care about, per se. It's like, okay, you didn't you didn't want me to invest in them emotionally because you had other people to get to, and I understand that. But at the same time, you know, this is, you know, it, it's almost like for the American audiences, well, we're just throwing this on if you have time for it, and we're not telling you why it's important to the WWE brand. It's like the Coffee Boys as the dominant faction. That sort of speaks to the weakness. So on NXT US, you have the Undisputed Era, who are the faction. And they really, when they are on the screen, they sort of command the eye. Like, for example, when the War Raiders attacked the Undisputed Era this week on NXT, I was like, oh, that was great. Because you've been so bought in to those promos for so many weeks, they've put so much equity into it. When the War Raiders come in and smash up that moment, it's really, really jarring. But the Coffee Boys, even with their new guy, Wolfgang, they pale in comparison. There's just no energy on this show. The audience does what they do but even then it becomes a bit much like it, there's there's a lot of chance it's like you know that's that's how they chant and that's fine um but it becomes like a bit of sensory overload for me as the american viewer 
And I'm with you. The 50-50 matches, everybody having a 50-50 match with everybody, I don't think it helps a lot of people. Like, yes, Gibson gets the win over Gnome Dar this week. Sure. But it was so competitive, it makes you go, yeah, Gibson got the win, but, like, Gnome Dar took him to the limit. So what does that that really show? I'll excuse that one because they built that up through an angle. And and this was supposed to be a big-time type match. You know, the ones where you're introducing, you're, you know, you're kind of reintroducing Flash Morgan Webster here. You're you're introducing, I mean, Trent Seven basically had a 50-50 match with his guy. You know, uh, Leguero had a 50-50 match with his person. You're, you're you know, over, over the weeks I'm talking about. It, it's one of those things that they do this, but it, it's like, you know what? I would have just liked one episode on the first episode, just going through the roster and telling me everybody's story, kind of like they did with the Cruiserweight Classic or the first UK... Like a Bracketology episode, like maybe an NXT UK setup episode. It's really just nothing but packages and promos and getting... We get to know Johnny Saint. Johnny Saint says five minutes about why he's here, why it's important for him to do this. And, And if you watch that one hour, you'll have a clear sense of who everyone is. And then you can do all of these episodes and you don't have to waste your time doing all this prologue, but you gotta do a launch episode. Yeah. And I think that that is something that has been lost as an art a little bit. You don't want to over-inundate with promotional package and stuff, but that first episode, you really do have to set the stage. You need the hook, and they did this right. as well with the first British tournament that they did as well, to crown the UK champ with Tyler Bate and all these other people that they are now reintroducing on this show. And it, you know, they, they did they did a couple of good ones here, but so far for me having watched you know the episodes eddie dennis still remains the most eddie dennis thing yeah here and i thought danny birch did well for himself here as well i i really liked that um so you you start talking about it. i loved this nxt episode yeah yeah week. i was giving you the segue back into the nxt oh i thought that this was a lot of fun they the, had the beat down a, at the end of it they oh, had a that was lot great. of good things on here I, I i thought the uh yeah the beat down i i howled at at adam cole getting lawn darted uh i loved bobby fish just throwing a guy and then trying to get out of a locked door and just could not get there no, trying to get out of a locked door with the gate directly with the gate halfway open. up yeah. Next, yeah yeah right he could crawl through <laughs> I, I loved that. I loved. I loved the extras running away when the when just the the carnage comes into the whatever. I think that's the full sale. They they use that as a film set for their film school, and they just going through there. I I loved the Nikki Cross Mercedes Martinez match. I am a big fan of Mercedes Martinez. As anybody who listens to the show for any amount of time knows I like that they continue to use her on NXT, even though they haven't signed her, which is fine. She can go work elsewhere, but they use her as a really good enhancement talent. Who's a wily veteran to help people get and treat over. it with respect. Yes. I mean, I still think one of the best heel factions out there ever was the old trifecta one with Martinez, Shayna Baszler and Nicole Savoy. I thought they could have been something had they signed all them, but they didn't. But then it kind of turns into, you know, it turns into Candice LeRae coming down and Al- Alistair Black. And I liked the choice of not miking them. I, I really did. I liked kind of the mumblecore aspect of it. I liked the, uh, I liked the darker shade of Candice 
sort of. With her makeup choice, it looks like, you know, Gargano is influencing Yeah, well, her. we're going to eventually get that mixed tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because she blames Alistair and Nikki Cross for ruining Johnny's life. But Johnny did the thing. So she's, quote-unquote, standing by her man. But her man did something bad here. So she eventually will turn. I think this is going to build to a really, really entertaining mixed tag between Aleister Black, Nikki Cross versus Johnny and Candice. But I like That's that, what I'm really signed up for. I liked that for. it wasn't staged in a typical WWE fashion with people with the microphone yes. waiting to talk to one another. It, you could get everything conveyed by their facial expressions. They let you read between the lines. Yes. Like, they didn't tell you uh, this is eventually building to a mixed tag match, but you now see all the pieces starting to come into view here. And it's like, okay, okay, I'm into this. I see why Candice is going to turn. I see what's going on in Candice's mind. And, yeah, like, no, this will actually be a pretty fun match. I'm looking forward to it. I, I thought so. And I, I'm I'm liking – I'm going to this War Games card, so I'm very excited. It's going to be the Undisputed Era versus the War Raiders, Ricochet and Pete And Ricochet. Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Ricochet in that fight looked pretty good, too. I, I thought that – Yeah, he did. That. No, it was great. And when Pete Dunn showed up at the end, it was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I mean, it wasn't, like, the biggest surprise, but, yeah, like – Ricochet was really good. That fight was so well staged, Jeff. They did a really good job with that. That was an old, like, like studio old studio wrestling thing. Yeah, I felt the same way. Studio wrestling thing. I, yeah. yeah. No, I, I was all about that, and it looked like, it looked brutal. It looked violent. There were a couple moments of comedy that you get in there when when people like you know like Africa. There was something where Kyle O'Reilly got hit that I just howled at too, and I can't remember what it was offhand, but just he lets out this yelp afterwards, which I liked. Um, Ciampa and the Velveteen Dream being announced for the NXT title, but that could change with Lars Sullivan throwing a tantrum backstage and possibly getting involved in this. Um, and uh, the Gargano Alistair Black match was announced. So this card, you know, in the next two weeks, going to get a little bit. More filled out, but I liked it for was. I enjoyed the other, uh, the payback for uh, the other side of the 50-50 booking between the Mighty and the Street Profits. Um, you know what I don't like, Jeff? I don't like the way they keep treating my boy Luke Menzies. We'll get to that. Yeah, okay. Let's finish okay. up with the Profits and the Mighty. And then, because that's my one negative about this NXT episode, and it involves your boy Luke Menzies. I'm fighting for you, Luke. The Street, the street Profits, now the Evolved Tag Team Champions, because um, they appeared on last Sunday on the Evolve card with uh, Gabe. <laughs> I think it just it just disheartened the Aaron so much that they just decided we're no longer doing this podcast anymore. Uh, but I liked... This is the most interesting the Mighty's been since that Harley Race promo tape that they did on NXT. I like that they got them some new gear and they're acting a little bit more heelish. And I liked, you know, I liked, uh, look, Montez Ford, this show has stand for Montez Ford ever since he debuted. He's a superstar in the making. If they put the rocket on him now, how long that's going to be, I don't know, but I liked this match for what it was. It wasn't very long, but it, 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 uh, it got some momentum back to the street profits. Now, Matt Riddle debuted against Luke Menzies. I have said before, I hate the way NXT does debuts. I hate 50-50 matches. 
and I hate that they use up-and-coming young guys with a lot of potential like Luke Menzies to get to, to debut stars against Because I think Luke Menzies... If clear not, upside. He's he, a clear... Was like, he he's the, a four-tool guy at least. Was he the first guy that they debuted Keith Lee against or was it yes uh, Marcel yes he Marcel? is okay no it was it was the same thing they 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 keep putting Luke Menzies against these guys they want to debut when this guy should be getting developed this is what NXT should be about dudes like Luke Menzies yeah it's, it's just it, it, it's just weird because I I, I know what they're, they're trying to do the old how, how do I put this in the in the NWA this was kind of the role of Sam Houston, that jobber to the stars, but he's still a young guy with a lot of upside, so they give him a lot of offense, and then eventually the the, the real superstar beats him, but you're supposed to be getting behind him. It's just, it doesn't work in today's... But that's a pathway moving upwards, usually. Not necessarily for Sam Houston, but like for other people, when you're put in that position, it's to get like an underdog status for that person. Well, it's an antiquated notion now in today's wrestling because especially with the WWE and the way that they've conditioned people to watch patterns and stuff like that, if you lose on TV often enough, people stop caring about you. And so what I think they're going to try and do here is what they did with, um, who am I thinking of that they did this to? That They, they, they just... Uh, I want to say Vanessa Bourne is one of these people that they did this with. And uh, I can't think of a ma- male offhand. But what they're going to do eventually is then re-debut Luke Menzies under a different name. And we're supposed to have forgotten yes. he was Luke Menzies all of a sudden. And I don't think that's going to work f- for him. I, people will remember that this was Luke Menzies, not just a new guy. Uh, oh, Kona Reeves. Oh, yeah, Kona Reeves, sure. Is a guy that they did, they did this with. That's who I was trying to think of at the time. So so I, I, I understand what they're doing. I just don't think the strategy is a good one. And the only other match on here was uh, Raul Mendoza and uh, – Forget his first name, Carrillo. I think this is her uh, Garza's uh, uh, nephew. Okay, okay. If I can remember, if I'm remembering that correctly, I don't think it's the other Brazilian. That was guy. a very short match. Versus it could have Birch been interesting. Well, yeah, it gets Birch and Lorcan back on, but it's just like okay. Um, so I guess they're going to still be in the tag team mix if if Birch isn't going to be in UK full time. They seem very invested in getting Birch and Lorcan back into the upper tiers of the tag division, like grooming them again for another title shot. Like they did that rebuild video and they've been getting wins. So it does feel like they're being built back up for something, but I guess it would be after war games. I'm waiting for them to do something with Raul Mendoza because the kids. I know I like him. He's been killing it for the three years he's been around this NXT he was in the first round. Wait, of, wait, Jeff, uh, are you trying to tell me that him doing all these jobber matches isn't going to slowly start building him fan support with the audience, which will eventually transform him into an upper-tier star? He's done these matches on NXT. He's done them on 205 Live. He was, I think, I forget what match he did in the Cruiserweight Classic. I, really, I think it might have been Grand Metalik in one of the, where he like ended up getting a rope to the mouth and he's bleeding. But I mean, he he's had all these great matches and it's just like, I can just, he has well, those great not... squash matches against Lars Sullivan. I really yeah. enjoyed some of those. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, he's, he, he may not have, he may not be the best 
promo in the world. So all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden he's going to be in this role forever. I mean, he, right now he's 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 well into his he's the Italian stallion from Jim Crockett. Wait, he's the guy or Pistol Pez Watley. He's the guy that they team with another young guy. But he's not the guy who gets pinned. He's the guy that gets offense in before the hot tag ruins it for everybody. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a little frustrating. Don't go for that tag, Pez. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, but Matt Riddle, I thought looked good in his match. I it wasn't. It's not the star debut thing. I think they're they're being a little bit heavy on the bro thing. I could just. I said this before. When they what is his theme song a knockoff of? It's uh, Dre Day. Oh, yeah, Dre Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I I noticed that too. You know, <laughs> he likes weed because I still got love for the streets. Yeah, well, yeah, right, sure. No, um, I, I was yeah. able to put two and two together. The, the first the first time Vince meets him, it's gonna be a Jeff Spicoli and Mister Hand moment. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> It's our time, Mr. Head. Um, yeah, but overall, solid, solid episode of NXT, and I, I'm, uh, I am stoked as hell to see what they do do for the rest of this War Games card because I am, I'm really excited for that. I'm, I'm glad they. I had originally predicted, and I think NXT UK ruined this. I thought they were going to do the three versus three versus three again. I like a more traditional four on four. Would prefer five on five, but I'll go with four on four. I think that that does better than the shark cage uh, contraptions they had last time. Yeah, yeah. AOP and Roddy versus Undisputed versus, uh, oh, who was the other? Oh, it was uh, Sanity. That ended up being a fun match, but it was, like, chaotic and kind of silly. That's the other thing. Watching Nikki Cross and how over she was with this NXT crowd, whatever happened to Sanity? Where are they? They haven't been on TV in weeks. Well, you see, they had a hard time with the different touring schedules of SmackDown. See, Sandy's not into rules, Jeff. So, Full Sail was good for them because they were able to keep making it to the show because the show was always in one place. Now, once they had to adapt to going to SmackDown, which involves going all over the country, Sandy, well, they kind of lost it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a shame. I could see, you know, I could see Alistair Black leading Sanity on the main roster if they really wanted to go that way too. Can I whisper of a dream? Can we have Birch and Lorcan versus the Revival? Oh, I'd love that. That would be. Let such us a great whisper match. of this dream. Uh, you know, and and booked in an NXT type of situation as opposed. Yes, to the main just bring the situation. Revival, get them off of the main roster, bring them down, let them feud with Birch and Lorcan. So let's sandwich uh, before we get to two hundred five live. Let's go to into Crown Jewel which is tomorrow early. I think it's 9 a.m. Uh, on the West Coast, noon on the East Coast. Not going to go in yeah. depth into the card. Uh, Hulk Hogan's hosting. <laughs> Just to offend the sensibilities more. Oh, man. And the New Day. Why? Why of all? The, oh, the New Day are out? No, no, no. They're, 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 they're doing a tag match for the tag team championship, but I don't think any titles are changing hands that oh, okay i thought i thought you were telling me that they had left the card too oh, no no because no. they wrote off cena and they wrote off brian this week no they've kind of added uh shinsuke versus rusev for the united states title on the pre-show and they've added the bar versus the new day which will be a solid match um maybe 
I mean, the problem is with all of this show and with all these Saudi Arabia shows to date is that they haven't been solid. They've been nostalgia tours. And so they come out and work the most WWE of WWE matches. Okay, quick hits. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Who comes at the champ? AJ Styles retains. Agree. Uh, Degeneration X versus the Brothers of Destruction. Who wins that? I'm going to say Degeneration X. I'm going with the Brothers of Destruction just because I don't know why. Uh, I think I'm not won- emotionally invested in that choice at all, Jeff. It, yeah, well, it's a, it's a nostalgia show. I think the, the most nostalgic of the two groups is Undertaker. So I think they'll give Undertaker. Never bet against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Um, I don't think the Bar versus the New Day matter, nor does Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. Uh, Shinsuke retains. I, I agree. Both I think both champs retain there. Yeah. Um, Seth Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Kurt Angle, Dolph Ziggler, Jeff Hardy, The Miz, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton. Who wins the World Cup? I'm gonna say. Ooh. I'm gonna say Seth Rollins. I'm gonna go with Rey Mysterio. I think that they interesting. I think since this is mostly a nostalgia show. I think Rollins and Ziggler and Miz are in there to help out and make the guys who can't move as well look good. But I think ultimately Rey Mysterio has the most panache and the most name value of anybody in this tournament for the most part. I think he gets it. Um, And finally, who walks out with the vacant Universal Championship? Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman? I will allow you some time on this if you wish to explain. I am going to say... It is Braun Strowman who will get the title. And I'm going with Braun, although you can hear the hesitation in my voice because I'm trying to at least consider if there's a pro-rock argument that I'm not like fully weighing out here. But I'm going with Braun because they need a permanent week-to-week face of the company and Braun's a much easier guy to move stories through than Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. They had sort of tapped out what they could get out of those guys. It will still be good to have Brock and Paul around as special attractions, but the time of Brock Lesnar as champion in absentia as a viable gimmick has passed, so I'm going with Braun Strowman. I think if this had been one day later, you could have made the argument that if Daniel Cormier lost the heavyweight title to Derek Lewis in the UFC match that night, that Brock, that they could have thrown some money at Brock to stay and given him the title. I could have seen that. You have to put the title on Braun Strowman now, though. You've already had Braun lose to Brock at no mercy last year. You've already had him have his heel turn to cool him down. You've turned him back face. It's time to put the belt on him. Braun Strowman will be your WWE champion. And his first program will probably be with Drew McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sort of established this where they did that weird murky angle where all of a sudden, even though Drew was really a face when he reacted to Braun Strowman and Braun was a dick the whole time, that they've just sort of... They have moved entirely out of that. You just got to disregard all of that. That past never happened. Braun's a face. Drew's a heel. He was always a jerk, and Braun was always a great guy. I think the show is going to be bland on purpose. I don't think they're going to try and do anything like the cheap heat segment from the Greatest Royal Rumble with... with oh, you don't think Arya Davari is going to be available for a follow-up skit? Oh, God. I, I, I don't think they're going to do video packages with any of the female superstars. 
Renee Young supposedly there. I think she will be dressed in some kind of traditional garb to not anger anybody. I think they are going, and they may in return not play any of the tourist tapes from Saudi Arabia. I think this is going to be straight ahead, and it's going to not ruffle. They're good. Both sides are going to try not to ruffle anybody's feathers. That's is this the end of a beautiful relationship, Jeff? Is is the marriage crumbling? No. Are they going to make it through? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Thank God. I, I love it when two bad people find each other. <laughs> 205 Live. Uh, enjoyed. Uh, especially the main event of uh, Tony Nese and Mustafa Ali. I, I opined on the Tuesday night show. I thought it was the beginning of the end of 205 Live when the Lucha House Party were brought under Raw. I don't know why they're they, there. They debuted. That was their debut. I don't understand why they're there. I, I don't. Um, the tag division isn't necessarily deep. They don't necessarily need people to beat, and that those are tell, those tend to be the types of guys that they like to put in matches with, you know, your AOPs and your Braun Strowmans to lose to. Because I don't think they're going to. Vince push them. looks at masked guys as jobbers. Yeah, and because they have masks, so they're interchangeable, so they're jobbers. But you have Leo on Raw, you have Drake Maverick on Raw, and now you have the Lucha House Party on Raw. I don't know if it's a beginning with a of the fully end. schismed character now too, yeah. where, where Drake has he parts his hair a different way when he's on Raw. He obviously dresses a different way, but he does his hair differently too. And then when he's on two hundred five, hands down, I, I don't remember the guy's name, uh, but that guy has a great fashion sense. He's very very good with all that stuff. Um, but two hundred five live, if it is the beginning of the end, it's a damn shame because this episode was pretty coherent. Like, there was a very solid narrative through line throughout this. I like Cedric Alexander starting to get motivated to maybe do bad things to get ahead because he can't quite hack it. Drake Maverick not giving him that title shot. When he picked up Mustafa Ali at the end of that match and threw his arm over his shoulder but did it real quick like, the, the audience gasped. gasped. The gasp yes. was so cool. Oh, that was amazing that is the gasp jeff is the payoff for doing a good job telling the story yeah and brilliant i love that it's 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 a good thing for the story it doesn't pay off i love that they didn't pay it off i love that they're still but even the staging at the end of it yeah i you know what part of me hopes they don't turn them part of me hopes they don't turn them because of this because it's like, ooh, because all the expectations now are on, okay, the WWE is going to do this where Cedric's going to be angry every week until he finally does turn on Mustafa Ali, and then, it, and then it becomes that's the story or whatever. I hope they don't. I hope they tease it a little bit more. But I, the gasp was my favorite part of this show, even though I loved the Mustafa Ali-Tony Nese match. I think Tony Nese has done quite well for himself, being the fourth guy in kind of a four-person story here between... Cedric Mustafa. He looks great in this. Buddy yeah, no, Murphy he's totally looking Tony good Nese, in this. Especially the uh, the Dean Malenko super gut buster. I I love them pulling that one out. Um, the the one the one downside of this match I had was on commentary because my wrestle boner was out for this match. I I I had it. I was great. I was into it. I thought it was just superb. And and Nigel says something like, "How does he do it?" And uh, Vic Joseph comes out with this contrived, he has the heartbeat of millions inside of him. I went, no, don't do that. Don't make me lose my 
no don't it's like what does that even mean like yeah. if you really think that out what does it mean to have the dreams of millions inside no. of you oh sounds it, like a raging narcissist he's, he's doing it for the people and it's like oh no no just just say just call it straight like a sport don't give me that wwe speak now i was going oh it's it's like if, if you're having this great date with a girl and you're out there and you, you just dig her and then all of a sudden she said something like, you know, I really love Donnie Darko. And I'm like, I can't get a- out of my head. I ever. We, we can't date no more because I, I, I loathe Donnie Darko as a movie. I, I just think it's pretentious. This would be like making out with a girl and she starts humming Nickelback or something. Oh, yeah. No, that too. Yeah, no. Uh, Look, Donnie Darko's pretentious, and everybody tried to make it deep. Shut up. Um, but no, it was just like, oh, and now I can't forget it. Now now I can't forget that Vic Joseph said that at this moment. I'm just like, no, why'd you ruin this match for me? I loved it so much. But uh, Slight writing opportunity missed earlier in the show with the Brian Kendrick in Tozawa. I thought that that should have been Kendrick's plan. That when they play, especially when they played the music, I'm a man with a plan. I was like, oh, did he should have planted Tazawa right there in the crowd? That would have been an awesome payoff. Oh, and where he's Tazawa still, he's has still now, with Gulak the whole time, and he just wanted to get Tazawa. No, 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 oh. no, 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 no. He knew that Gulak was going to try some oh. sort of double cross thing because he's Kendrick and he's the man with the plan. So he ah. had Tazawa watching his back and had him placed there. And Tazawa knows how Kendrick works because they had that big long feud where Kendrick was always teaching him lessons. So now in Tazawa, Kendrick has this great partner. I was kind of hoping they were going to go in that direction. I'll tell you what I liked, and it's a small thing, and it's something Jack Gallagher did during this match. I love heels that do the whole forearm across the face during the pinfall. I love that little move where you're just kind of being a jerk while you're doing the pin, and you just kind of rub your arm right across the guy's nose so he can't breathe as much. That's such a... Nice little touch. I, I really liked that. I don't know why I have that in my notes, but it's just like, ah, oh, that's a nice little move. I like that. But uh, I liked yeah. his springboard over the ropes into the body scissors that he did. That was very. Oh, that was good too. Yeah. No, I like that. But hey, put put this niece Ali or not niece, but Ali Alexander Buddy Rogers triple threat if we're getting buddy that. murphy buddy murphy old what man did I say? buddy rogers oh jesus yes oh <laughs> uh, okay yeah but <laughs> buddy murphy i i'm all if i can get that at uh at survivor series be a very very happy man it's all the time we're gonna give this episode kids patreon.com slash shake them ropes chris where can they find you at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Chris Novembrino is my name. Oh, I have a couple of other shows. They're called Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at don'tworry.tv. I also have the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at allinthefamilypodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me at crapgame13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. All one word. Chris, what is the worst Halloween candy? The worst Halloween candy is...